Welcome, this is Jonathan Yamasaki, host of Go Entrepreneur Yourself. The name of this podcast speaks for itself. We empower you with digestible, inspiring, and valuable content on starting your own business. Our show stands for empowering future and current entrepreneurs to stop dreaming and start entrepreneuring, which means to take that leap, take that first step on your idea as opposed to just sitting there. Not only are you gaining valuable advice on starting your business, but you have the opportunity to connect with some of our entrepreneurs. Today's entrepreneur is a teacher turned serial entrepreneur, Josh Little. Josh has quite a track record, two exits in the first five years, four successful tech companies, and now hundreds of million users on his app. He's currently on a mission to bring more connection and community to the world with his latest product, Volley, a video messaging app. Josh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. You bet, Jonathan. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Josh, so we'd love to hear about how you founded multiple companies before leading up to Volley and then hearing a little bit about time developing Volley app and some thought-provoking questions in leadership. But before we do that, I'm going to run a quick segment titled Human Minutes. And in this segment, we're looking for honest and human responses to a few rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? I am, and my honest human response is I'm terrible at these sorts of things. So let's go. <laughs> no worries. Okay, so first, guilty pleasure. Oh, uh, Coke Zero, for sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, what is your most annoying pet peeve? Uh, when people don't do what they say they're going to do. It's seemingly hard in 2022. Yes. <laughs> uh, favorite food in Utah? Ooh, in Utah. Utah, there's a lot of great Mexican food. There's a couple of taco shops here. So tacos, I'll say, which is not what Utah is known for. So Utah is known for like fry sauce and fries and burgers and things like that. Nice. And then do I need to go to college to be financially successful? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Fried pickles or regular pickles? Oh, regular pickles. And I, <laughs> I make them. Yes. And then a uh, favorite rapper. Ooh. So I, I would have to say Will Smith, just because I've gone back to my roots and listened to some of those early albums of his recently. So, uh, well, which would be the Fresh Prince. Nice. And then uh, last question, favorite choir piece you've sung or song you would have liked to sing? Dude, you've done some research. Um, Foray's Requiem in Paradisium. Yes. If you know, yeah. you know. Yes, I, I was in choir in uh, all through high school and college most of the time. Oh, so yes. Cool. <laughs> oh, kindred spirits. Awesome. Well, that was Few Minutes with Josh. Now, Josh, let's start with what you did before becoming an entrepreneur. So maybe starting with what you did leading up to your business with Volley. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm a line cook turned teacher turned entrepreneur. You know the path you, you, that everyone takes. Um, you know, I put myself through college being a line cook. I worked in restaurants for like eight years and uh, got a degree in education, became a teacher, hated it, and decided, <laughs> I taught for a year and just knew it wasn't for me and um, started looking around for what on earth someone with this skill set could do for the world. And it turns out sales. And I, and I was quite successful in sales. And I, I went and sold uh, at three different Fortune 500 companies. And, and at the last two companies at Pfizer and at Stryker, made the transition into um, sales training and marketing. And, and so, um, you know, I was typically one of the top sales reps and then would be invited into to do sales training. And it was from that experience, trying to build global training programs and trying to create 
online learning experiences around them. Uh, and this is like 2004, five, six, when e-learning was not a thing and the tools that didn't exist today. And it, I just thought there should just be a company that does this. And that was my first entrepreneurial uh, foray, which was into just building the company I wish existed. And so I spent six months trying to build my own e-learning, you know, internally at Stryker and, um, it was chaos and I was working with five different vendors. And so I left Stryker to start the company I wish existed, Maestro. And I wouldn't say the rest is history, but it turns out every other training and learning sales trainer in the medical and pharma industry at the time was looking for the same thing. So we pretty much quickly made the who's who client list of all medical and pharma clients creating their online learning content and or courses or modules or experiences from the profits of Maestro and from the experience of, I, I don't know if you're looking for like my whole career journey, but I'll just quickly bullet two or three more things. Yeah, that's fine. From Maestro, we, we kind of got to understand um, the problems that exist at a meta level in learning at work because we were working with dozens of clients. And so we, we saw the opportunity to build a social learning platform called Bloomfire for all of the unstructured or informal learning that happens, a place that um, mm -hmm. you can kind of collect your organization's brain. So I built Bloomfire in 2009, grew quickly. That was acquired in 2011. I thought I was done, took a year off, got bored, got back uh, on the horse, built a company called Quizzer. I thought if we built the world's simplest quiz tool, teachers and trainers would just eat this up. And teachers right. and trainers kind of gave it blank stares and publishers started embedding quizzes in their website. And we were like, oh, then we had our first quiz that had 100,000 views. Then we had our first quiz that had a million. And then we're like, oh, okay, we're building a quiz tool for publishers. Okay, so so we built <laughs> Quizzer, we raised some venture money, took that to the sky. Uh, I stepped away in 2016 to let the team take a direction that I wasn't that interested in going. Took four years off, thought I was done, but then looking for my magnum opus, the pandemic hits. My love of asynchronous communication, especially video, has been there since Bloomfire and um, realized the world just needs a better way to communicate. So we started building Volley in May of 2020, which brings us to today. Awesome. Because a question that arises is, what were some of those natural strengths and skills or talents that you already had before taking on these business ventures? Did you go to become skilled in some of those areas as part of your entrepreneurial tool belt? Yeah, good question. So I think there are some things that you probably also learned from singing, um, just kind of willingness to put yourself out there, willingness to lead, you know, willingness to look silly, th those basic things, kind of working in restaurants, working hard, being okay with crunch time, those sorts of things I, I, I've learned along the way. And then teaching, you know, I, I learned the ability to motivate others and to teach and train and to bring them along. And then in sales, I learned, you know, the ability to sell and market a product. And so those were kind of some of the base skills I had going into my first startup, which was at age 33. I was already sort of old, especially according to your audience, right? Um, but that was my first company uh, at age 33 and had a decent career already, a decent corporate career. But there's no way you can learn it all before you start. You just have to start and, and learn along the way. It's, it's this ultimate paradox, I think, of entrepreneurship mm -hmm. when you don't know what you need to learn until you're doing it. And, but while you're doing it, 
you don't have time to learn. And, and it's, it's the hardest thing. And every time I get into it, I think, oh, I'm ready. And then I get into it and I'm like, oh man, I like this, this time around with Volley, which is a free video messaging app. It's a product led growth, consumer facing product. I thought I knew all I needed to do is, no, I need to read everything there is about product-led growth and onboarding and growth loops and, and viral product growth and hacks, growth hacking and all of this stuff. So I'm, mm-hmm. you know, at nights I'm, you know, tooling away, looking, re- reading books and, and blogs and videos and things Andrew Chen has said, but I have no desire or interest in doing that before I start something, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the paradox. Yeah. So talk to us about a few challenges you had while creating this company, Volley, because I looked at the date that you had it started. You started during the pandemic. Was there any sort of like ideation before the pandemic hit that you wanted to start this or was this during the pandemic? Ideation about Volley, not necessarily. Um, Mm. I'd spent two years kind of looking for my next thing. Um, and knowing, uh, yeah, I'm getting up there in age. I'm 47 today, Jonathan. Uh-huh. So, you know, I don't know how many at bats I have as an entrepreneur. This, this is a wild ride. It takes a lot of energy. Right. So mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure my next thing was, like I said, my magnum opus, like, what do I really want to bring into the world? So I spent two years and fortunately I have the, the freedom to make these choices and to do things, validating all kinds of different companies, a pickle company, an RV park roll-up, different software platforms, uh, a debt fund, all kinds of things. But it was really the pandemic hitting and the question of like, what is different about the world today that will permanently change? And I just realized, you know, if we're going in and we're locking in the way we need to communicate needs to change because Mm. really there's only two ways to communicate. You can either type or you can talk and that's it. And, and all technology has brought us is digital versions of typing and talking. When I say typing, I mean like text, chat, email, that's typing. That's a, and that's asynchronous, meaning we, we don't do it at the same time. I send you a text message, you get it later. You send me a text message back. I get that later. But inevitably, we need to talk for the reasons that we're on this call today, right? We're the reasons we're face to face because it's rich. We can say so much more. I can use my tone of voice, body language, all that I have as a human, all of my capabilities. And so you can talk, but talking also has its downsides. We've got to stop what we're doing. We've got to get in the same room. We've got to deal with technical difficulties. Your, you know, headphones when we started, you know, all of those things, which why every call why do we have to do that seemingly on every call so we we only have typing and talking and the insight here is what if you could take the best of both what if you could take the richness of talking but mix that with the flexibility of texting so a lot of people don't give volley and it, this is kind of a stupid way to explain it but some people appreciate it it's like video texting what if that was a thing? We call it video messaging. We, we're taking turns just like any conversation, just like we're taking turns in this conversation, except we record our turn with video. Um, yeah. And that gives us kind of the, the, the best of both worlds there. And so that's the idea. Now, Snap has figured that out. However, a large percentage of the population doesn't use the product, you know? And so we're like, what if, what if something like Marco Polo had a baby with something like Discord? Wouldn't that be amazing? Especially now that the pandemic is hitting. So those were our insights and the pandemic was the thing that changed it. And I think the world's kind of permanently change in some way there's a certain percentage of work that will just always be remote like there it's not going back in the box you know the- and I, I love that about sorry to interrupt but i really like no, that fine. about your app is you build this timeline of people coming in to ask questions back and forth and people could sort of timestamp or look back at some of those questions that were asked to kind of see what was going on in the conversation 
So I really appreciate that. It was really different than what I've seen from other apps that build community, that build a, a place where you can be yourself and, and really speak out to all the people in that group. While I was asking my question earlier, I asked you a different question. So I'll come back to the earlier question, which was okay. what were some of those challenges that you had creating those apps that were surprising to you? Yeah, yeah. I, or maybe you did ask that and I didn't answer that question. <laughs> uh, and that's a gracious way of, of circling back. Yeah, yeah. Some challenges. Uh, so with something like Volley, there are technical challenges. It is, you know, top 1% of apps on the App Store in terms of like the magic tricks that we have had to to do to make it feel like you're sending a video as fast as you can send a text message. Like you record a video, it immediately sends, the other person immediately sees it and can view it. You know, somebody who understands technology is like, how does that happen? Well, a lot of magic tricks, um, you know, and like we're, you know, we're shuttling a video and transcoding on the fly and, and doing a lot of things. So that was kind of the first big feat is like figure out the technology, pretty much nothing off the shelf work. So we, we've had to, to build our own. But then the next thing, um, which was new, is, is trying to build a wait list and try to build interest for an app before it's launched because Volley is, is a network, meaning you don't have any value in the app. If you download the app, you can only just make videos of yourself. You can't send them to anyone. So you have to invite others to make it to work. You need someone on the other side of the court, so to speak, the Volley metaphor, right? Mm, yeah. So we needed enough people to be on the wait list to get in the app day one to make that sort of work and then figuring out how to build the network from there and, and um, what side of this two-sided marketplace do you build for and you know because it's kind of a chicken or egg problem we need chickens so we can get eggs and eggs so we can get chickens you know which one do we focus on this is andrew chen stuff it's you you focus on the hard side you focus on who is harder to attract and we've definitely seen a creator consumer dynamic in our product so we're trying to attract and bring on those creators or those super nodes who don't just bring on like one friend they bring on like 500 people uh in a community and they're friends and they've got their church on it and then they're bringing in all of their people and so those are the kinds of people that's that's the supply side of the network and so all of those things are kind of difficult to do and having built SaaS companies and, and an agency you don't really have to do those um, you just go find customers and take their money and make them happy. It's a little simpler. Yeah, yeah, and it's different. So no longer software as a service now creating this mobile app. So then tell us about some of those audiences that you're trying to bring onto this app. Give us a few examples of maybe the kind of individuals. Well, I can tell you where we were wrong and yeah. uh, how, how, we're, how we're right. You know, so maybe the, the architecture of a pivot here. So if you're familiar with Marco Polo, it's, you know, Marco Polo and Discord had a baby. Who would eat that up? dude, remote teams, They're, they should be tripping over themselves. The problems with remote work are like lack of communication, loneliness, you know, increased meetings. What if you had a way to communicate, constantly check in, sync up on blocks? So our go-to-market thesis was all about remote teams. And this is the end of meetings as we know it. Delete your Calendly account and download Volley and et cetera, et cetera. And we, we brought in thousands of teams and they tried. And unfortunately, people are still interested in hiding at work. A good percentage of people, even today, even remote teams, culturally, the world was not ready for it. Because if you think about it, you can hide behind a Slack message. You can think about it for 10 minutes before you send it. You can get that word perfect. You can That's leave true. your camera off on a Zoom meeting. You can take your cheap shot in a meeting. But in Volley, 
you hit record, you're on. And if you, if you don't have something to say, you're going to freak out. You're going to think this thing is evil. And if, if this is high risk and it's not okay to be wrong in your organization, it's not okay to put yourself out there. It's not going to be for you. So we saw teams over and over and over. Now we have hundreds of teams who have very successfully adopted the product, but that's not very reproducible to your audience. If, if you have, if you have to bring in 10 customers to get one, that's not a good business. So um, while we were bringing them in, we also, we had college professors using it and, and researchers and people using it as a church for small groups and whatever, all this kind of stuff. But we also saw creators come into Volley. And if you want to see a group of people that know what the heck to do when a record button is pressed, go watch creators use Volley. They're good. They, they're just good. They know how to engage an audience. They know how to turn it on. They know how to keep a community hopping. They know how to drive the conversation. And they just blew our minds with the way they use this product. They'd invite their audience to come in to either have a group coaching experience or a mastermind or like a VIP community experience that they would charge for. And we now have creators charging like thousands of dollars per month per person for access to them on Volley um, and group coaching and, and courses and, and everything in between. And we just love it. So uh, we started focusing on that market. Um, last fall. And those are the use cases we've we've really focused on, in on is just like coaching, courses, community. And they're, they're really successful with the product. Reproducibility is very high mm-hmm. because what do these people do? They create content. That's what they do all day. So Volley is just yeah. and makes it way easier to create. You just hit record hit, and hit stop and it's gone. And um, you just engaged your audience while you were feeding your chickens or whatever right. whatever you're doing, right? That's the market we're most excited about. It's almost like you really have a a good human aspect to this app so that people could like be their true selves and not have to fluff up and do a script or whatnot. The next thing I want to go into is like, what fears or worries did you have for the volley business? And what did you do to overcome them? Because I'm sure when you realized that you had to have an architectural shift in who you were reaching out to, I'm sure that that would scare the shit out of me if I realized, oh, no, there's other types of individuals I need to reach out to. These aren't the people. So what? tell us maybe some of those fears or worries and what you did to overcome them. Yeah, yeah. So the, they've changed. And so the fears and the worries that I had at the beginning were more around, can we build this? Would anyone use this? Uh, is this too hard? Can we even do this on Android? You know, things like that. Those questions are answered. Now it's more like, how do we sustain this organic growth? How do we continue to see week over week users inviting each other? What's the psychology behind an invite? Why do things cool off, you know, suddenly in a community? Why is this campfire effect seeming to happen? You, you know, you get this one wrong person in a community and it just kind of dies. And it was just, alive and on fire before that and how do we help people manage those things so that the things that that are kind of keeping me up at night at this point are kind of human problems uh, manifested through software yeah it's just human group conversation dynamics and and how do we make this tenable how do we have something that hundreds of people are in having a conversation together that doesn't feel like a train wreck and just so noisy and and a job to catch up and and so those are all of the things that that I'm worried about, you know, that bite us. And I, you know, watch the data. I'm like, ah, 
you know, we, we launched this feature and that, that kind of ruined engagement that we thought that was going to increase engagement or things like that. And then, you know, the, the big question mark in my mind, I don't know if it's like a fear. I, I'm confident we can figure it out is, is monetization where how do we monetize? How do we turn this into a business? Uh-huh. You know, messaging apps, that's not the path that you don't charge for your messaging app right out the door. It's just, you know, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, et cetera, et cetera. They're free apps, you know, and then they, they either get acquired or they, they figure out some interesting mechanic. And so, you know, that's a big question that's on my mind today. How, how are we going to turn this into a business someday? And therefore, what should we be building toward? What behavior should we be seeking? What user base should we be seeking at this point? All good questions. And, and what they seem to be pointing to right now is probably, is probably going to evolve into some some sort of learning product where you have courses plus community plus coaching all in one place easy as a messaging app so that's what it's feeling like but that's april 21st uh, 2022 marketing time what are ways that you've been able to monetize the podcast or how are you getting paid if that's like an honest question Well, a company like Volley, unless you have people who are independently wealthy and engineers who want to work for years without getting paid, you need venture capital. You need venture. Mm-hmm. And th- there is appetite for something like Volley because products like WhatsApp have, you know, sold for pretty good multiples. You know, it's a pretty good business to be in if you can get the traction, if you can get that user traction, retention and you activate users when they come in their app. So it's all been venture funded. We've not worried about making money yet, which is a different path. You know, all of my other products, we came to market with a paid product that, you know, that's, mm. that's yeah. SaaS, that's B2B SaaS. Volley's a little bit different game. We, we need to gain a user base who we can reliably know that if we add 10 people to the network, we get some fallout of X, Y, and Z who use the product to invite other people you know, and have some K factor, like for every one person, you know, right now, every one person that gets added to the network, 0.5 more get added to the network each month following. So we're, we're seeing that network kind of expand and, and grow itself. And so those are things you got to focus on. And if, if you're trying to build a paid product and monetize and build paywalls and build sales teams, on top of all of that, you're not going to get the, the, the most important thing right in the beginning. So we're just focusing on the most important thing. Yeah. It's interesting for our young audiences out there is that you're telling me I can, if I have a business idea and I have a team, I can go to an investor and tell them I could pitch something. Talk to us more about that. Because wh- wh- if I was young and I heard this, I'd be like, wait, you're, you don't have a revenue plan? How did someone give you money? Tell me the specifics. What are the specifics for long-term growth? The specifics are have a very successful career, learn to sell, build three companies worth millions with hundreds of millions of users. Then you can go to an investor and say, hey, I want to build a product that is free um, and they will give you money. But when you're 20 years old in college, just out of college, nah. I mean, these things happen. Mark Zuckerberg, you know, like right. the the Facebook story. Why is that remarkable? Because it's freaking remarkable. Like very few people are able to do that. He just landed upon something that just worked. And so at 20 years old, in today's market especially, you're not going to be able to convince an investor that you have it unless you actually have it and you have like 10% week over week organic growth. You can't keep up. People want this product. They're tearing out of your hands. You've, you've got to hire 
engineers, you know, if you can prove that, then yes, you can raise venture money for your thing. But usually what I tell young people when I speak at colleges and whatnot is if you have an idea for a product, that's great. Don't build it, but build a service company around this idea. So if you have a, an idea for a, I don't know, an insurance product, a way for insurance companies to reduce claims, or yeah, let's just say a software idea, don't build it because building a product is a very, very hard thing to do. The stakes are high. Your first round is important that you have success. Build a service company in and around those insurance agency where maybe you work with collectors and I don't know insurance. Why did I choose insurance as an example? <laughs> you work with adjusters and you go do the investigation and you know some service company where you can right. charge money and learn along the way. I did this accidentally with Maestro. Maestro, we we were an e-learning development shop. We created online learning experiences for large companies and they would pay us tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands to make these courses and these interactions. So we got paid good money and we got to learn how to make products, how to hire engineers, how to find great designers, how to recruit, like all of the things that you're gonna need to do to build this product company, you're going to learn while you build the service company and you will make a living doing it. So I think the safest path to entrepreneurship from being an employee or from being a student is to first build a service company. Now I know the weeping and the wailing of a service company. Oh, the multiples are terrible and you can't, you can't have a big exit and whatever, whatever. <laughs> which aren't true. You know, you can have a big exit if you build a big service company. Those things happen all the time. They're just not software multiples. So unless you're an engineer or have a crew of killer engineers who are your best friends and they're willing to work for free for a while, product companies, or at least a software product company is, is a risky bet for a young person. That's my dad advice. How about that? <laughs> And it, it's funny because because it goes back to what you're saying, kind of learning by doing. So you were sort sort of learning that when you were creating that business. Thank you for sharing that, Josh. I want to go into some leadership questions. And and I remember reading on your bio on LinkedIn, it talks about how you're really you're very hardworking. So I want to ask you this question: um, There's a difference in having uh, deep gratitude for what you already have and settling for less than you deserve. So when you're living on autopilot, it's easy to get stuck in old ways of thinking and working. In what areas of your life are you playing small? Really think about this. Where in your life are you settling? And where in your life do you have this like gratitude that you're just like, I, I am happy where I'm at today? So the, those seem like two different things, right? Where I'm playing small and where I'm, you know, content with with where I'm at. Is is that right? Or yes. tell me how you see those together. Or is that two separate answers? It's two separate. So I, I'm trying to okay, see. Okay, okay. Because sometimes people confuse that when you see somebody who's like working. Let's just take a simple example of like when people make exits. Like some people may assume like, oh, Maybe he was happy where he was at, or maybe it wasn't going well. So they thought the best course of action was to exit. And then there's all these people that have these opinions that are like, okay, I feel like he or she could have done more to make this business successful. Uh, so for yourself, what do you think moments in your life that you're settling with your business and then moments in your life where you're, you're okay where it's at. You're like, all right, this is a great consistent growth or this is great what we're doing right now. Well, yeah. So I, this is a question I ask myself all the time. And I think it's important for any entrepreneur to ask them, like, what would insert the name of your favorite entrepreneur do? 
Like, uh, let's just say, what would Elon Musk do if he came in today, sat down in this chair and was CEO of Volley? What would he do today? Okay, now look at your list. What are you about to do today? Would he do those things? And so I constantly do this because, you know, I don't know, we need to figure out Canadian tax law so that we can hire this person in Vancouver that we're trying to hire. And there's no one else to figure this out right now. And I don't want my engineers to do that. Like there's things like that and all kinds of other needs and fires that need to put out. Uh, And I have a good friend who... um, his big mantra is just let it burn because there's a million fires. And if you try to just put out all the fires and make everything right all day, you'll just be chasing your tail and not working on the most important thing. So what would Elon do today? He probably wouldn't be researching Canadian tax law. He'd go hire somebody to do that. And then he'd go out and close a big deal with someone on maybe a rocket ship somewhere. I don't know, like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I don't have access to a rocket ship, but I could definitely think about a big deal that I could go close today. And would that be way better for Volley Mm. than yes, absolutely. So I do it every day Uh, and that's, it's not like a big area and there's almost no area of Volley that I am currently content with right now. And that's just because I'm not greedy or just need more and more. The plane is not quite up in the air yet. You know, Uh it's, we're at momentum, we're at speed, but um, we haven't reached kind of a tipping point or a liftoff where we could like take our hands off of this and it'll grow if we took a year off sort of thing. We still need a pumper. We're still needing to add people to the network. We're still needing to get the product right. And so when you're at that stage, you just kind of need to give it everything you've got. So that's probably not a satisfying answer of where I'm content. I'm, I'm content in many other areas of my life right now, just, you know, figuring out how to maintain health. I've lost a hundred pounds since my last startup and, and those sorts that's of awesome. things. So like, like my health journey and, and my family and our relationships and, you know, family rituals and, and those sorts of things. So I'm very content with those things and not really trying to move those forward, but pretty much mm-hmm. every aspect of my business, I am trying to move forward with everything I have. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think uh, one thing that really stuck out to me going back to uh, it's it's sort of figuring out which problems of your business are you going to address first? What's going to be most important for the mission and the vision of your company, but also what would make the biggest impact? And I think just simple find it like that would really help uh, an entrepreneur's focus so that they don't get stuck in trying to chase their tail and put out the fires everywhere else. Right. So I think that was that was really important. Um, so next question. So you're you're obviously a successful business leader. What would you say is one character trait that you think was most or is most instrumental to your success? Can you maybe share a story or an example? Yeah, I think I figured out how to play with all cards on the table in a way that almost no one else does. That metaphor may not mean much. My mom liked to play card games with all of our hands laid out on the table. She thought it was fun. I hated it because (laughs) then there's no game to it, right? (laughs) But that's the point. I lead with all cards on the table. So recently we've had kind of a big cooling off and a drop of invites to Volley spaces, like these, Mm -hmm. an experience within within Volley. And, And they were kind of like up to the moon. Like if you looked at the chart, you're like, that thing couldn't get any straighter each week, you know? And then it kind of rounded off. And so, so we're like, what's going on there? So, so the typical instinct, it seems, of leaders, leaders I've worked with and, and observed is to kind of keep that quiet, keep that secret. We're not going to show that chart. We're not going to talk about that with investors. We're not going to talk about that with the team. We don't want the team to get freaked out. What if they quit? 
And all of these fears start to kick in. And what I've found is if you lead with honesty and you embrace it in a way that is confident yet curious, you actually gain more trust than if you hit it or you covered it up or sugarcoated it. So I, I lean into things like this head on. Like the first thing when we started seeing this was like, hey gang, you know, to the whole team, I'm just like, hey, you know, record a volley, record my screen. This chart is troubling. I don't have an answer. Look at this. Look at this. I've got this data. It doesn't seem like there's any correlation here. And I just, I owned it, but shared it Mm -hmm. because frankly, I could use a lot of help from our engineers who have brilliant problem solving minds to help me figure this out. And so we together have leaned in and figured it out. And I'm about to do an investor update today with just like a, Hey, we think it's one of these three things. These are the things we're doing. Uh, and I'm owning it. And and so my investor updates are up and down and around, but others investor updates, they're up and to the right, everything. But then they get caught because you can't kind of suspend disbelief forever. So I try to own everything. I play with all cards on the table. My data is your data responsibly. Now, I, I learned in a fundraise with my last company, there is a limit. There is a, a irresponsible transparency where I was trying to like give turn by turn updates of our Series A fundraise and like, oh, NEA wants to put in $20 million at a $100 million valuation and, and the whole team's cheering, you know, back and exciting. And then an hour later, no, they said no. And then they're crying <laughs> and looking for jobs and, you know, like it, there there is radical transparency. So I'm not there. It's not like blow by blow updates, but, mm-hmm. but we're a family. We're, we're going to talk about problems and we're going to work through them together, rain or shine, thick or thin. That's no, that's wonderful. I think that really shows a testament of your character. You're really being honest with your team, but being graceful to be able to deliver good or bad news. And I think that and confident, like you said, confident because uh, people can see through that. And and sometimes people, you can really see in your team, the nonverbal cues of how they respond to your leadership. You could really see Especially that. Especially in Bali, right? Yeah. You can't see them if they're slacking you. <laughs> right? Nope. Well, um, that was uh, leadership questions. I want to move on to our final segment now. And the segment's called Mind Your Business. So this is where we take pre-selected questions from listeners, ask them to our entrepreneurs. I take the burden of asking these questions that you may be shy about or you're maybe afraid to ask because you're not sure how to ask it. So for those tuning in, you can ask any questions you would like for our next entrepreneur. Nothing is left behind or off limits. Our guests then can answer on the spot or tell us, mind your business. So first question, uh, this was sent in by at Lil Michu on Instagram. What personal prisons have you built out of fear? Mm, Wow. I'll be honest. Um, these sorts of questions, I'm a slow thinker. I, I'm a silent student. I sit in the back <laughs> of the class. I say nothing. In meetings around a whiteboard, I'm the facilitator because these sorts of questions. So so maybe this is a prison that I put myself in. And people have told me, <laughs> you shouldn't say that about yourself. You're really good at interviews. For this reason, I really struggle with interviews because out of the blue questions like that for an introvert like me, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know. <laughs> No, that's red, awesome. <laughs> red 67. I don't, I don't know what the answer to that question is. You know, like that, that is where my brain goes. It's just, it goes into paralysis mode. I feel like I'm in third grade again. So maybe this is a prison because I keep reinforcing 
this idea that I am not good at interviews and that I don't think mm. well on the fly, but I actually think it's because I don't think well on the fly. And, you know, I identify with Derek Sivers, who he said, said a lot about this, like he's just a slow thinker. He says, if you want to have an argument with me, you can just win because I am horrible at arguments. <laughs> and so am I. <laughs> I'm just not good. I, I, I don't know. I can't think of the thing you know, to say in the moment. This is also the great moment where like someone asks you, oh, you know, Guns N' Roses, you're wearing a T-shirt. What's your favorite song? And you're like, like, that's sort of, yeah, I get that analysis. Or I get paralysis and I just don't know how to answer. I- I'm the same especially, way too. Especially thoughtful. Like that's a really thoughtful question. I would love to think about that. But the only way I can think about that is to stop talking. You're good. Let's go to the next one then. So... This is from myself, and this could be personal, but that sort of relates to entrepreneurship. So are you holding on to something now that you need to let go of? Probably. We're, we're just blind to those things. That's that's the problem Yeah, in our product, for sure. This is what, you know, the challenge when you build a product is you build all these things and you, you amass all of this features and functionality, but people really use like, 20% of the things you actually build. And so in our product, I, I'm sure we're holding on to things that a handful of users like, but it just takes us effort and energy to maintain those. But I think your your question is more personal focused. There's nothing that jumps out at me. I do try to take personal inventory. You know, every six months I'll do a, what I call a solo trip. Just some people call them vision quests or whatever. Mine aren't quite that new agey or whatever. I, I just go camping <laughs> by myself and take a notebook and no technology. And these are the sorts of things I, I think about is like, what am I doing? What What's my purpose? Am I connected to that? And how do I grow from this point? What am I holding on to that I shouldn't? So I, I do tend to shed things um, along the way. Therefore, nothing is coming to mind personally. But if I went camping for three days, I could probably think of something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. And then last question, this is sent by at MaryLou23 underscore. What would make your business obsolete? <sighs> obsolete? If the world decided that it just desired less connection and community volleys obsolete if you want faceless communication if if you want to type at each other volley's not for you and it's honestly one of the biggest gravitational pulls against our product is people who just kind of want to hide and they just want the old way and they want to type with the thumbs you know to communicate and it's just slow it's lacking context so if connection yeah. and community is not for you and if, if the world decides that's not interesting, yeah, our product is for no one. Awesome. Thank you for answering that. Well, that was Mind Your Business with Josh Little. Again, <laughs> you can submit your questions to us on our socials, DM us, and who knows, your questions may be featured on our next episode. So Josh, thank you so much for being on our show. Tell our listeners how they could follow you and if they're looking to become entrepreneurs and this is the moment you could put in, uh, plug in your socials and where people can reach you. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, the best way to get a hold of me today is um, go download Volley and jump in one of our communities because I'm active there. So if you go to volleyapp.com and go check out Volley, download the app for desktop or mobile, all platforms. We've got apps and go check out Volley and jump in, you know, Volley Fan Club or Volley for Coaches or for Creators and um, hit me up. I'd love to chat with you. 
Yes, and I, I, I have the app downloaded now. I can't really see it cool. on the video, but oh, yeah. I'm going to definitely check this out. This is another space for the community, for maybe the, the tribe here listening on the podcast. So I'm excited to kind of play with it. I love it too. It, it definitely gives me some remnants of Discord as well because I use Discord now. So you get those yeah. little chat channels. Awesome. And for those tuning in, again, make sure to follow us and subscribe on all streaming platforms, including our socials at Go Entrepreneur Yourself. And leave us a review on our podcast and Spotify. This will allow us to be able to reach more people and share these incredible stories like Josh today and maybe talk about and share some of those digestible advice for future and aspiring entrepreneurs. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Josh, for being here today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.